0: morning. We, that's sweet. That's sweet. That's special. Uh, And if anybody was bothered by the fact that one of the baskets was dropped, get over it. (laughs) Just get over it. You know, I'm, I'm not bothered by it and God wasn't bothered by it either. So, yeah. Loosen up. This is the 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 sweet thing is that people got down on their knees and cleaned it up. And I didn't go, hey, hey, you, 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 you come do this, you know? Oh, man. <clears throat> love these people. Uh, okay. And uh, you love me now. And hopefully by the end of this sermon, you still will. Uh, we're going to be talking. We, we, we entered into a transition series four weeks ago, first week. A foundation was laid, and we talked about transition in the church. Second week, Isaac came, shared his story of transition, what's going on in his life. Third week, Barbie uh, brought her wonderful teaching about being positioned for transition. Uh, Last week, we talked about, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be transitioned by the renewing of your change my way of thinking. That's right. And so this week... Aren't you glad you're here? Change my way of giving. Stand with me. And let's read from Luke chapter 16 together. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would invade our space today, and that you would change our way of thinking so that we could, be, we could be transformed from glory to glory to glory through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. What would you do if you had $100 million? Woo, woo. You have my permission to go to your happy place now for 15 seconds and figure that out. I suspect you would, uh, you know, pay off any debt that you have. If you don't have a house, you'd probably buy a house. If you do have one, you'd probably pay for it. You'd travel, uh, maybe uh, buy a few toys. You know, you might even give something to the Lord. You know, 100 million. How many of you, if you had 100 million tomorrow, would come up to me and say, Pastor, here's my $10 million tie check. I've been just waiting to do this thing. Let me see how many ten millions I get. Okay, okay, not everybody. Okay, okay, I understand. I'm cool, cool with that. This is enough. Uh, but just remember that. What would you do if you had ten million dollars? I mean, how, how many how many would I get the big seven figure from? Yeah. Okay, we're roll, we're rocking now. Okay. Uh, what would you do if you had A hundred dollars. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I, here's the thing. I propose that what you do with a hundred dollars is the same thing you would do with a hundred million. And it's not just me saying that. I mean, Jesus, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Don't you just love the words that Jesus chooses to put into his, you know, dishonest? Me? (laughs) Why money? You know, sometimes people say, well, that church is just after, the church is just after your money. Uh, And admittedly the answer the response to that when you're talking about the church in general is is a fairly gray area because there are and always have been those who are in it for the money which is so ironic because the ones who because it's usually it's usually either one end of the spectrum or the other you know it's usually didn't we have some grape juice in this you know or you know, the Maseratis and stuff, I, I, I guess. I don't know. And I, I hopefully, I think we're kind of in a sweet spot here. I hope so. But, uh, you know, it's one of those areas that you don't go into, you, you don't go into for money, or you, or you do go into for money. And, and even in Paul's day, people were going into it for money. In 2 Corinthians, he wrote to them and said, Unlike so many, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On, on the contrary, In Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So even in his day, he had people peddling the word of God for profit. And when he was writing to Timothy over in 1 Timothy 6, 5, he's he's describing a group of people that he says, stay away from these people. Don't don't have anything to do with these people. And, And part of the description is those who have been robbed of the truth and who think godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, and probably teach others that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, I'm not saying that financial gain might not come, but godliness is a means to true gain, which is not necessarily the same thing as financial gain. Financial gain may not be a blessing at all in, in some people's lives. And so those, that, that kind of, that kind of uh, teaching and that kind of person has always been around, and it, and it makes it difficult. I am, we all have our issues. I mean, there's no question about that. I have my issues, but I, I can tell you I am not one of these people. I am not after your money. That's never been a motivating factor in my life. And I, and I can't really take credit for it because it's what I grew up with. It's what I saw. I mean, with, with my parents, my dad, my dad pastored for over 40 years, which used to sound like a long time. Uh, you know, I've been doing it 35 now, but my dad pastored for over 40 years and he always had to work an outside job. It was never a matter of, you know, the church supporting him. But you know what? I never heard a word of complaint. I, it was never uh, any any sour grapes or anything from him because that wasn't why he was doing it. You see, well, when he when he first started pastoring in Millersville, it's 1954, I believe it was. They they were paying him thirty five dollars a week, and uh, and they were paying his phone bill, which usually came to almost five dollars a month. So they were paying him thirty five dollars a week. To, 12 years later, yeah, I think it was 12 years later, in 1966, they gave him a raise to $50 a week, whether he needed it or not. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's what I was brought up with. And so, and so it's never really been about money. And when Isaac uh, shared his testimony and, and it came out that money wasn't really a motivating factor in his life, it's because um, it's, it's the heritage. It's the heritage that we got. Uh, so that's not why I'm here. I, I, the reason why I, I teach about money and teach about giving is really what, what Paul says over in 2 Corinthians 12, 14. It's not your possessions I want. It's you. It's you. I, I, I want you to be free and faithful followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what I want. For every single one of you, and this is a this is an important component of it. So, since we're already having a lot of fun, let's start with tithing, shall we? Because that's really that's really where it starts. And for those who don't know, tithing is ten percent of increase. Yeah. Uh, so when Barbie said, you know, I've, when I had a dollar, I realized that I had ninety cents uh, 10 cents of it belonged to the Lord. She misspoke herself because what she knew was it all belonged to the Lord, but he asked for 10%. Yeah. But that was what, that's what she was, that's what she was taught. And that's what tithing is. Um, very quickly. Some people say net or gross. <sighs> that's a gross question. Uh, you know, if you, if you, it, just for simplicity's sake, if you make uh, $10 an hour and you work 40 hours a week, that's $400, but your paycheck says 320, if somebody comes up and says, how much do you make? Are you going to go, I make eight bucks an hour? No, you make 10 bucks an hour. That's what you make. And besides that, the difference between a tithe on 320 and, and 40 and 400 is eight bucks. You're going gonna, to gonna get tight with the Lord over eight bucks? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is Super Bowl Sunday. Somebody's told me that. And... Uh, Actually, when they told me that, they, they sent apparently uh, something about... Uh, I, it's, a, it's an old joke, but you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, you know, go to church, cheer, and then pour Gatorade on your pastor. And, and somebody was, um, was con- contacting me about that and said, can we do that? And I said, well, you can do part of it. <laughs> actually, I said, actually, I said, if you will, if you will do the wave... During, during the service, and if during the sermon I have to calm people down, g- call for quiet from the crowd noise, then, yeah, you can pour Gatorade on me. <laughs> All right, let's see if you're... You know what? I love you guys, but you stink. And not only that, let's see if you're still doing that at the end of this sermon. Anybody can do it at the beginning. And I didn't say when they could pour Gatorade on me. Tithing. Some people contend that tithing's not called for under the new covenant. Pshaw. <laughs> I, 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 I totally disagree. The, the first mention of tithing is over in Genesis 14. Very quickly, Abraham met Melchizedek when he came back from defeating the kings and he tithed to Melchizedek. Now, uh, almost all you know who Abraham is. He's a big, pretty big deal. He's father of the Jews, father of the Arabs, father of The household of faith. So he's really the father of those who believe. It's what the New Testament says. Melchizedek, you probably don't know about. He's a really mysterious guy. He's only mentioned in uh, in chapter 14 of Genesis, and then he's also mentioned in chapter uh, chapter in Psalm 110. In the first service, I said Psalm 110. And somebody went, there's not 10 verses in chapter 1. So it's, it's chapter 110. It's only two places he's mentioned in the Old Covenant. And then coming in, in, into the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews from chapters 5 through 7 begins to talk about this guy a whole lot. And you're kind of going, whoa, what, what's, what's up with that? He's a type of Christ. That's what he is. He's the king of peace. Uh, he was a, he, he's the only other person in Scripture identified as both a priest and a king. And when he met Abraham, he, he, he blessed him with, uh, with, with wine and bread. And Abraham tithed to him. And that was 400 years before the law of Moses, before the old covenant. So tithing has nothing to do with, I mean, the old covenant talks about tithing, but it, tithing certainly didn't start with the covenant of Moses. It started with the father of our faith and a type of the one whose faith is that faith was put in. And then the last mention of tithing in Scripture is in Hebrews, chapters 5 through 7, and it points back to that, to that first time. And uh, the, the writer specifically says, Abraham gave a tenth to, to Melchizedek. And Jesus endorsed tithing. I mean, over in, in Luke eleven forty two, 42, he said, woe to you Pharisees. But he wasn't saying woe to them because they tithed. He said, you do tithe, and that, that's good, but because you tithe, you pretend like you don't then have to practice justice and love, which are the weightier matters of the law. You're supposed to do both. That's what Jesus said. Becoming tithing, technically tithing isn't giving. You know, when, when you, if, you're, if you're a renter and you send in your rent check, you're not giving a gift to the person you're paying the rent to technically tithing is is something that that you owe Uh, but tithing does three things in our lives it probably does more but i I gotta i'm gonna run through this quickly one tithing is an act of discipleship through obedience and faith becoming a disciple is a process of learning obedience becoming a disciple is not a process of learning facts Becoming a a disciple is a process of learning obedience. You know, you can learn all of the teachings that Jesus ever did and still not be his disciple. You can know what the teachings are. But until you learn obedience, you're not a disciple. You're just a student who's learned some stuff. And knowledge puffs up, love builds up, the scripture says. And so... Tithing is, a, is, is an act of discipleship through obedience and, and faith. People, people, people do not tithe because they don't have money. In fact, if you don't have any money and nothing comes in, you don't owe any tithes. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you like to be in that place? By definition, you've got to have increase before, before the tithing kicks in. People don't tithe because they simply lack the faith. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not beating people up. Like I say, this is an easy thing for me because, because I was brought up with it. And I understand it's not, it's not easy for everybody. But over, over a lifetime of, of tithing, you learn to trust in God. You, you learn how faithful he is. Uh, let me tell you what's going to happen here today. Some people are, are going to hear this, and when it's over, they're going to go, uh, "Yeah, that's poor Gate Area on the pastor. This is great because uh, they because they're tithers, and they and they know what it has done in their lives. Yeah. And and other people are going to are going to be mad and upset. I, that's all. That church just wants your money. Well, you hadn't listened to anything I've said, but you know. Lord, I rebuke the ability of the enemy to speak to people today. Just, just let this be a, a cone of silence that the enemy cannot penetrate for a while here. Uh, but, but, we'll, but, but we'll be upset and and a few will be upset enough to actually get in the scripture and actually search their hearts and actually go, you know what? I'm gonna do that. And, and, of, and of that few, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be, you remember when Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water? I mean, you all know that story? Okay, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he walked all the way to Jesus. No. <laughs> he started to sink. And, and Jesus reached out and grabbed him, lifted him up. So, some, will, with, this, with this tithing thing, they're going to go, okay, I'm going to try it. You know, but I ain't getting so far away from the boat that I can't jump back in if I need to. And so after two weeks, they're going to go, this isn't going well, you know, back in. Or maybe three weeks or something, you know. But then there are going to be a few. There's going to be some who are going to get out of the boat and they're going to start walking. And the boat's going to get left behind. And are they going to just walk straight to Jesus? No. they're going to start to sink at times, but they're going to find out that every single time they start to sink, and they go, "God, help me, he's there." Every single time he listened. and you and over a, over a, a lifetime of this, over a few months of this even, you begin to your faith begins to grow. you begin to go. Wow, he, he really does take care of me. He, th- he really has got this. And it causes you to, to grow as a disciple. Uh, also, tithing establishes uh, renewed thinking about your position in the world. See, when you, when you tithe, what you're saying is, I'm just a manager. I'm just a manager, or actually a, a better word. It's an older word, but it's more powerful. I'm just a steward. I'm not an owner. I'm not an owner. This this doesn't belong to me. It it, it establishes that. We, uh, we often, by our actions, add to Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And by our actions, we often... Add to that, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it except for what belongs to me. Yeah, that was deserved a woo. This is a tithing is a constant reminder that nothing this world has to offer will remain. You you cannot own what you cannot keep. And suddenly, our spending see, a tither is one of the reasons why they actually tend to do better is suddenly our spending isn't just about me anymore you know if this is if this is my money I do whatever I want to with it if I realize this is God's money like I say I mean he only asked for a tithe but it all belongs to him then I need to go God is that something you want me to have Is, is that something that you would that you would put into my life and this aligns our, our thinking in a, in a renewed fashion. You see, when you, when you offer the tithe on the increase, it causes everything to be blessed. Paul says, here's the, here, here is the, the principle. If, the, if the, the first fruits are blessed, if they're offered, then all of it, the whole crop's blessed. Yeah. If, the, if the first batch of dough is offered, then the whole thing becomes blessed. Now, I'm not saying you wouldn't have any difficult difficulties if you start if you tithe i'm saying this 90% if you've got 90% that's blessed it'll go a lot farther than 100% that's not it 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 just will i i i promise you it will and then third thing is tithing brings freedom there are two gods oh god and the devil well jesus really didn't even put the devil out there as an option, what Jesus said was, you can't serve both god and and money now obviously, there are a number of things that can stand in the way of serving God, but there's only one that Jesus called out it's only one that he specifically put a name to and said okay this this is this is the enemy right here and that and that's money and boy but boy, does money get people's attention i mean quickly if you, if you if you say uh, you know, if you if you, I mean, sex sexuality will get people's attention too. If you go, we're going to talk about sex today. Well, you know, there are some people who go, yep, let's talk about it. You know, and there are others who go, really. But if you say we're going to talk about money today and how you can get more and enjoy it more, then everybody's, I'm there, I'm on board for that. That's that's more fun than pouring Gatorade on the pastor. <laughs> money is a powerful thing. And if you serve it, if you allow it, it will control you. It will determine where you live. It will determine what work you must do. It will cause you to do things that you that you thought you would never ever do. It'll cause you to lose yourself. It'll cause you to lose your, 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 your sense of wonder. It'll cause you to lose your ability to love and be loved. It will shrivel your heart. Leave it dry, broken. 1 Timothy 6.10, we're all familiar with the first part of the verse, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But the second part of the verse, some people eager for money of wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many thorny griefs. Money will pierce you with many thorny griefs. And, and you may think, well, I, I, I don't love money, but it's a treacherous lover. It's a treacherous and toxic lover. It masquerades as the respectable immorality, and it is the respectable immorality in our culture. Paul writing to Timothy said, in the last days, there's going to be terrible times. He said, people are going to be lovers of themselves. And then he went into a very long list of what they were going to love. And the first thing on that list is lovers of money. Are these the last days? I think so. Do you believe the Bible? I do. The good news is that beating the beast is very simple. Not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Tithing is the baseline. God instructs us to tithe, not because he needs more money, but to protect us from this powerful false lover that would enslave us. And then there's even a step beyond that, and that's generosity. And generosity, is that's, that's where you really break, break loose. That's where the that's where the glory is. I spent the the opening 3 weeks last year teaching about um how to be happy weird. Some of y'all remember that one? How to be happy weird and and how to be happy weird was to become a generous person because that's that's weird. Well, and I know that all of you remember everything that I said in that series. But some of you weren't there and um uh, uh some of you might need refreshing. So let me very quickly summarize some things from the first week. Generosity is not normal. We have a tendency to think we're generous people. We are not a generous people. Get Just, no, we're not. It's not normal. It's not random acts of giving. It's not, well, I'm a generous person. You know, I mean, I gave $5 to that, to that person at, at, at the intersection, and they were only asking for one, you know. One time, five bucks. Yeah, you're in the clear now, aren't you? Uh, it's not spontaneous. Generous people can be spontaneous, but it's a lifestyle. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's not a, oh, look what just happened today kind of thing. And generosity is not about cash flow or amount. Not about cash. You know, generous people don't go, well, if the cash flow is this, then I'll be generous. And if it's not, then I won't. No, uh-huh. They're generous, period. And, it's, and it's, not, it's not about the amount. Rich people, in fact, have a much harder time being generous than poor people. Because poor people who've, who've learned to give, you know, they, they'll give that last 10 bucks that they've got. But a rich person will kind of go, you know, this may be too much money to give. Generosity is something that everyone can do. You don't have to be rich or poor to be to be generous. It's also, and this was the definition that Andy Stanley used, and uh, I know he didn't write a book of the Bible, but I agree with his definition. Uh, and, and generosity is the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. Woohoo! Now let's see the wave. No, that's okay. That's okay. No, uh-uh. No, no, don't do it. Yeah. Woo. People who are generous, people who are generous give more. Well, duh. They also save more. How does that work? Well, it, it's got to do with this. They consume less. Oh, so they don't have much stuff. They have everything they want. They just don't want as much stuff as people who are selfish. Selfish. That was, that was good. I didn't, wasn't even my notes. <laughs> <laughs> give more, save more, consume less, and are happier. Of course they're happier. It's more blessed to give than to receive, and blessed means happy. It's, it's happier to give than to receive. Okay, this isn't rocket science. You really want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, your checkbook is a barometer. It's a barometer. Show me your checkbook. I'll tell you what you care about. I'll tell you what's important to you. And perhaps, perhaps you've gotten yourself into a position where you really, you really can't tithe. I mean, you know, if the bills are going to be paid and uh, you can't tithe, much less be generous. And pay your bills? Two things. First of all, I'm not saying this to make things worse for you. I'm saying this to make things better for you. I I, I really am. Test God. He says, test me in this. See if I I won't handle this a lot better than you're handling it. But the other thing is, is this. If you're in that position, get out of it. Quit being a consumer zombie. You know, quit just following the lemmings over the, over the, over, over the cliff. B- budget, manage, act like this money isn't yours. Act like somebody actually gave it to you and said, I want you to use this in a proper fashion because I'm going to ask you to give an account for it. That was real good. Get proactive. I mean, you know, channel uh, parts of Dave Ramsey anyway. Sell stuff. Get you, deliver some pizzas. Get you a second job. I mean, get dig out of this thing. Get yourself free from the trap that you're in. You say, "Well, now, uh, Pastor, is God involved in this?" Oh yeah, pray. Pray. But, but you see, it's not just a matter of, and you know, if you've been around here long, you know that I'm very fond of saying, I don't believe God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the scripture. It isn't. God helps those who trust in him. That, that's, that's what he does. But God, God's not foolish. And if, you, and, if, and if it was just a matter of going, God, get me out of this and I'll never do it again. Well, okay, I'll pay here, here, I'll pay your bills. Now you're up here. Six months later, you'll be in more debt than you were before you started. It's got to hurt some for you to not want to go back there. Oh, that was good too. It's got to hurt some for you to not want to go back there. But pray, ask Him, help me with this, God. You know, I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever I can. But, 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 help me with this, and He will. And, and the day will come. The day, the day will come when, when you'll be able to say. Along with the psalmist over, over in Psalm 147, let us thank the Lord. He's not let our enemies destroy us. We've escaped. We, we've escaped like a bird from the hunter's trap. The trap is broken. We are free. Change my way of thinking. Change my way of giving. Don't give out of, out of, out of fear that God's going to strike you down if you don't give. But also don't not give out of fear. Out of, out of uh, lack of faith or out of want. Uh, and don't give money to soothe a guilty conscience. Give out of obedience and out of love because I'm free. I am surrounded with songs of deliverance. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I told you you wouldn't be doing the wave at the end. Would you stand with me? Uh, But maybe some things will change. This is a transition year. Definitely is for this church. And it is for a number of people in this church. And what I'm talking about today is something that can transition for for a number of you. I want to call your faith up. That's what I want to do. Well, those who are going to pray for people. Come forward this morning. And if you're here. You need prayer. uh, You come. You come. And. You know you may have come with a need. That you already knew about. But. But in the course of this. Of this sermon. Of this teaching. You may have gone. Okay. You know that's an area that I struggle with. And it may be that I have tried this a time or two before. I've tried to turn this corner a time or two before. Now is the time. I mean, God will enable you. Come and ask. Come and pray. If you don't need to come worship with us for a few moments, create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move in those who are coming.